fact that we woke up that we got up because Lord today you didn't have to wake us up you didn't have to do that but you chose to you chose to give us life you chose to give us breath and Lord for that we are eternally grateful and like it says in this song in all I do I want to honor you Lord in the way that we worship we want to honor you in the way that we speak to each other we want to honor you in the way that we live our lives because it's a gift from you Lord that's what we want to do we just want to honor you father and I pray this morning that you get out of us what you put in us Lord whatever that looks like we surrender that this morning that you would get out of us the gold and the magnificence that you put in us Lord the only way that that comes out, Father, is through the Holy Spirit. It comes out by us yielding to you. And this morning, that's what we do. We yield. We ask for more of you. We ask for more of your presence this morning. In Jesus' name, everybody said, amen. You can be seated. You can be seated. Welcome this morning. Don't nobody want to sit over here. That's okay, though. <laughs> It's an, it's an interesting morning simply just because uh, July 4th, Independence Day, a lot of people on vacation. So thank you to my mother and Kayla for leading worship this morning. We usually have a uh, full piece, full set band, but that's okay that we don't this morning simply because, and I just want to touch on this, is that if you come in here expecting a certain set up or something is supposed to look a certain way um since when has the lord ever done that in your life let you have something that you expect was going to happen that way right yeah he's really just wanting to know that your heart is here this morning amen and so what we're going to do is we're going to have church and church is the word of god being proclaimed and being preached amen Regardless of what it looks like. So I appreciate you guys being here simply because, you know, you could have gone somewhere vacation wise. Um, to be honest with you, I'm about to be on my vacation. Uh, and that just is four weeks of not having to do anything church wise, church administrative stuff. And they make us leave so that we don't get burnt out. It's a good thing. So uh, next four weeks, hey, just pray for it, brother, you know. I'm going to be doing two things. I told my mom this. I'm going to be fishing and I'm going to be playing Halo. That's it. And reading the word, okay? Just, I'm going to be reading the Bible too, so don't, don't throw that one out there. <laughs> but uh, last week you guys had a chance to hear my dad preach. Um, and it was good, was it not? Man, I've had an opportunity to hear that man preach for the past 20 some years. You know, 31 now. I can remember back in the day, first being able to remember his messages. So I've been able to, to listen to him preach for the past, you know, 26, 27 years. And it's, it's good. He gets up here and he just, boy, shoots with precision every single time. It's great. And he, he brought something through Nehemiah that is, it, it was big. Okay. Um, and it was Nehemiah, the first part of chapter 7. For those of you who are here for the first time, we've been going through the book of Nehemiah, line by line, verse by verse. We haven't skipped over much, except for chapter 3, which was just name after name after name after name. 
Same thing here in chapter 7 when we get past verse 8. It's a big list of people in numbers. But there's some significance to this that is in conjunction with what my dad preached last week. And the title of last week's message was Watchmen. Watchmen. Now if you know anything about the book of Nehemiah, Nehemiah was purposed to build this wall around Jerusalem. Okay? People were coming out of exile, going back to Jerusalem, back to God's city. Now God's city needed to be protected. So Nehemiah, the Lord dropped a seed into Nehemiah to rebuild this wall. They got it done in 52 days. You guys hear me say that all the time. That's nuts. This wall was 1.5 miles long. Huge. Huge wall. Drops this seed into Nehemiah. They get to a place where they're finally done with the, with the wall. And the title of the message last week, last week was Watchmen because we open up verse, excuse me, chapter 7 and Nehemiah appoints three groups of people to then watch over this wall. Watchmen. He sets up gatekeepers. He sets up singers, which is a whole nother message. You know what the singers are? The singers are the worshipers. The word says that one day he's going to call his true worshipers to worship him in spirit and worship him in truth. Why did, why did he bring the worshipers? Why, of, of all the people that he could have set up, why did he set up the worshipers, the singers? Okay, I'm going to just leave that as a cliffhanger, alright? Because I believe worship is unbelievably important. Not just in song, alright, but in how you live your life, period. Worship is more than just singing songs, amen? But then that, that, the last one, the Levites, he brings these, these three groups of people to be watchmen over this wall. And there's some significance to that. Understanding why these watchmen were needed. Now they were needed because, hear this statement, that a time in your life when you are most vulnerable to the enemy getting after you, it's going to sound weird, is when you come to a place where you complete something. When you have victory over something. Why is that? Because you spent so much time fighting. You spent so much time building. You spent so much time pouring in. And then all of a sudden, you don't have anything to fight anymore. You're done with the building of that thing in your life at that moment. So the enemy is like, you know what? I'm going to come. I'm going to be crafty. I'm going to look like the most gorgeous woman you've ever seen. I'm going to look like the most well put together man you've ever seen. And I'm going to... See if I can work my way in there. A point of vulnerability is when you complete something. Now, Nehemiah knew that. And his motivation was to preserve and protect that which just got built. That's why he set up watchmen. You guys trucking with me this morning? Nehemiah was concerned about preserving that which was just built. Now, the text for today... We don't have it up there. It should be in your bulletin. We're only going to look at verses 5, 6, and 7. Probably going to spend the majority of our time in verse 5. But I got to touch on verse 4 and set this whole thing up so that we can understand kind of a picture of what's going on here. Now this title, ladies and gentlemen, Sustainable Growth. Can we get that title back up there? Just so we can look at it. Yes. Sustainable growth. I was going to kind of touch on this later, but I think I need to do it now. Um, If you just take a look around, like, just look around at the people, you know what I'm saying, sitting next to you. 
this is this is it. This is Jesus. All right. Got another service. I'm going to say the same thing to them. Different group of people, right? Uh, the question that I have for you guys this morning is that, do you believe, and amens and hands raised and yeses are good, hey, do you believe that Jesus has something to offer, not only to you, but to the city of Fort Collins? Good. That's good. Because I know Nehemiah believed that Jerusalem had a purpose. Jerusalem had a purpose. Now I'm going to get to that purpose. And then we're going to connect the reason why Nehemiah was so adamant about this, uh, building this wall and then protecting this wall and then doing something afterwards, populating the city of Jerusalem. Because Jerusalem had a purpose for the world. Eosis, ladies and gentlemen, has a purpose for Fort Collins. And I just want to say this, that we can no longer have empty seats. I want to be real uh, upfront about that this morning. That sustainable growth, see, what I want to be able to do before I go on vacation is leave you with something. Leave you with something that is somewhat significant and substantial. And it's this, that we're going to grow. And we're going to go after putting people in these seats. So that when you look around or when you walk in here, there's standing room only. Now, Nehemiah saw it important to populate Jerusalem because the health, the sustainability, the safety of that city depended upon it being populated. Now, you're going to see this in these next few verses. But on top of that, as I continue to, to set this up for you, Here's one of the many points last week's message communicated to me as well. That Nehemiah realized and understood that even after the completion of this wall, it was still about the people. It was not about brick and mortar. It was not about how big this thing was and how much time it took and effort it took. It was about the people. And that is something that you will see all throughout scripture. Now, here's a statement. It wasn't the wall in and of itself that would preserve the people. As much as it was the people's connection with the wall that would preserve the people. Does that make sense? It's not just the fact that this wall is standing that now it's going to protect these people from enemies and opposition. It was the fact that these watchmen were set up to make these walls, watch this, living walls. Not dead walls. There had to be some kind of interaction with the wall, people on top of the wall, people at the gates, the people on the inside of the wall, the Levites preaching the word so that the people on the inside were strong enough to deal with what was on the outside. These walls had to be living walls and not dead walls. Let me, let me say this to you this morning. The Lord is building something in you right now so that that thing will not be dead. So that thing will be living it will be a living representation of Jesus in your life. But let me say this. It's about, let me say this, what brings that to life is the relationships that you have, the friendships that you have in your life, the connection that you have with what? People. People. What is going to put people 
in these seats, in this thing that we're building here at ESIS, is the relationships that you have with people at your work. The relationships that you have with people at school. Um, And here's what I'm trying to say this morning. ESIS, the Lord has built ESIS and given her a vision that is purposed for outside of these walls. Okay, we're we're in a, we're in a hotel right now. Okay, <laughs> we won't be in a hotel for very much longer. But whatever walls you want to call them, ESS has a purpose to go outside of that. But what brings life to that purpose is people. Amen. What brings life to the purpose of Jerusalem is people. Amen. Now, see, this thing of it being about the people and not necessarily about what's being built is all throughout the word. If you guys were here at the uh, beginning of, excuse me, the end of 2015 from about August up until the first of of January, we went through the book of Haggai. You remember that? We get to the end of the book and we realize that, well... For you guys to understand what I'm talking about. The book of Haggai is the people who the Lord sent into exile. They come out of exile. And the Lord purposes them and asks them to do two things. To build the altar. They do that. And then about a year goes by. And the second thing that they were purposed to build. Which was the temple wasn't happening. These people were spending more time building building their own homes. Than they were the Lord's house. He uses Haggai as a mouthpiece to speak to these people and change their heart and basically say, you're spending all your time building your house while my house lies desolate. Now, the reason why they got off track was because of opposition, because something happened in their life. That's never happened to anyone in in here, right? No? You've never been derailed because of something significant, substantial? When we get to the end of the book, they build this temple. It's all good and well. It's only two chapters, but there's a lot in there. And you realize that it's not even about the temple. It's about the people. That the Lord used the temple to rally the people to two things. Excuse me, one thing in two directions. To unity between each other and unity between the people and God. There was a horizontal relationship and also a vertical relationship. The same thing is going on with Nehemiah. It is not about the wall. As much as it is about one thing, unity between the people and unity between the people and the father. Now, the wall is significant. Okay, what the Lord is doing in your life, building in your life is significant. Hear me when I say that. But he is more concerned about his relationship with you and your relationship with other people than anything else. You trucking with me? Again, those walls without watchmen would have been dead walls. It was the watchman that allows the walls to serve their purpose. It wasn't about the walls. It was about the people. Okay. Now I need to shut up and we need to read scripture because that's what it's about. It's not about my analogies or my introduction. Amen. (laughs) Please say amen to that. Thank you. Oh my goodness. All right. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to read. I'm actually going to start in verse one. And then I'm going to stop at verse 4, and then we're going to jump into verse 5 and kind of see uh, more of what's going on here in this book. And I'm going to challenge you guys in some areas and give you something before I leave and go on vacation here. So I'm going to start in verse 1. 
I don't think this is up on the screen, but just bear with me. Um, this is verse 1 of chapter 7 in the book of Nehemiah. It says, Now when the wall was rebuilt, and I had set up the doors, uh, and the gatekeepers, and the singers, and the Levites were appointed, then I put Hanani, my brother, and Hananiah, the commander of the fortress, in charge of Jerusalem. For he was a faithful man and feared God more than many. Then I said to them, Do not let the gates of Jerusalem be opened until the sun is hot. And while they are standing guard, let them shut and bolt the doors. Also appoint guards from the inhabitants of Jerusalem, each at his post and each in front of his own house. Now verse 4, Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few, and the houses were not built. See, the Lord sets that up in Scripture, gives us a little snapshot, and then he says something else. There's a, let me say this. There's a lot of if-then statements in the, in the Bible. There's a lot of here's what happens, and then the Lord this, that, or the other thing. And then here's another one of those. The Lord sets up this whole scene, and then he says something. He says, then my God put into my heart, this is Nehemiah speaking, to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. Then I found the book of genealogy of those who came up first, in which I found the following record. Now, I'm going to stop right there before I read verses 6 and, se- six and 7. I'm going to back up to verse 4. But what, what does that mean? Then, then my God put into my heart to assemble the nobles, uh, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. It's kind of like, okay, here we go. Here's another part of the word that is just kind of obsolete and we have no idea what's going on. We're just going to kind of read through this. Again, I use the same analogy. It's like an eastern Colorado town. Driving through. If you blink, you miss it. All right? Same thing here. Don't miss what the Lord is trying to do in relationship to verses 1 through 4. Now, verse 4, again, says this. Now the city was large and spacious, but the people in it were few and the houses were not built. This is, this is where I feel that this connects to Eosis. That the city was large. Well, Eosis' vision is huge. Eosis' vision isn't so much about just inside as much as it is about reaching the city for Jesus. Amen? City transformation, streetwise. Ephesians four eleven through sixteen, he gave the fivefold for the equipping of the saints to build up the body of Christ. And our measuring stick is Jesus. But the people in it were few. You know how I, I asked you to kind of look around this morning? The people in this thing are few. Let's be real about that. This morning, what I appreciate about Nehemiah is in, in chapter two, when he got to town, he had to go inspect the walls. There was an inspection and he had to be real with what he inspected as a leader. I got to do the same thing. We got a whole gap of chairs right here that are empty. Right. I got to look at that and I got to figure out why. Verse four resonates with me more than one through three. Because our vision is huge, and we have something to offer the city of Fort Collins. But there's few people here, and the houses are not built. Now we have to understand what's happening next. 
I read you verses 1 through 1 through 3. Nehemiah is establishing watchmen. This wall is finished. In verse 4, there's a reality check of the current state of Jerusalem. And I said this before and I'll say it again. At this point, Nehemiah understands that the health of the city, the safety of the city, which was God's city, was dependent upon the number, and watch this, and valor. Number and valor of the people living in it. Now I'm going to explain that a little bit. The purpose of Jerusalem. Does anybody know what the purpose of Jerusalem was? I'll make it real simple for you. It was to receive the Messiah. The purpose of Jerusalem was to receive the Messiah. Huh, yeah, I like that. And there were some foundational things that needed to be established in Jerusalem before that could happen. Now this goes all the way back to the Lord taking people out of Egypt. Points Moses, takes them out of Egypt, leads 2.5 million people into the wilderness. They're only supposed to be there for 40 days. They end up being there for 40 years. It's a long time. All right. Then they cross the Jordan. They're in the promised land. They're doing great. All of a sudden they start living like crap. Straight up. That is a biblical word. Okay. It's in there somewhere. I just haven't found it yet. <laughs> they start living like trash. Okay. Then what does he do? He sends prophet after prophet after prophet to these people. And they just say, you know what? We don't care. People are, tr- have you ever had someone say, you know what? The Lord's saying this. The Lord, the Lord's trying to, and you're just like, you know what? I don't want to hear that right now. I've been there. Well, what does the Lord do? He says, I have a purpose for Jerusalem that you guys don't even know yet. I'm trying to remedy this thing called sin. And what I need you people to do is to live correctly for that. So what he does is he says, you're not ready to handle this. So I'm going to send you into exile for 70 years. 70 years. And what that means is he's not letting go of his people, but he's going to let Jerusalem be destroyed. He's going to let the place, his city, lie desolate. Okay, timer's up. Ding, pulls his people out of the oven 70 years later. Then we jump into the book of Haggai. What I explained earlier. They were purposed to do three foundational things. I need you to build the altar. I need you to build the temple. And I need you to build this city. They do the first one. Spend some time lagging around. Not really doing what they want. Or doing what God is asking them to do. Then they build the temple. Gets taken care of. Now he's saying I need you to build this city. Because I have a purpose for Jerusalem. It's to receive the Messiah. But some foundational things had to happen. How can you build a city when your enemies are constantly coming after you? How can you build a relationship? Let me say this. How can you build what you're building in your life when your enemies are constantly coming after you and there's no protection? That's when the seed got dropped in Nehemiah. We'll build this city, but there's got to be something around it first. He asked them to do three foundational things. Alright? Now how does this connect back to us? And the purpose of Eosis. In relationship to the purpose of Jerusalem. If the purpose of Jerusalem was to receive the Messiah, the Messiah came in. And then guess what happened? He took 12 dudes and he changed the entire world. Let me say it again. The purpose of Jerusalem was to receive the Messiah so that Jesus could remedy sin, take 12 guys, and change the world. 
the book of Nehemiah is significant. Okay, the gospel is in every single verse. Now, let me say this about the vision of Eusis. It's huge. It's a city, all right? Foundationally, we're where we need to be. For the first time in 25 years, we can say that. The foundation has been laid, ladies and gentlemen. But guess what our purpose is? It's to take a handful of people and go change the city of Fort Collins. It's to take a handful of people and go change the city of Fort Collins. And what I'm asking you this morning is if you really believe in that. Or maybe you and I need to sit down and talk more. I'll let you in a little bit more on Ephesians 4, 11 through 16, what the vision of ESS is. Acts 2, 41 through 47, Christians taking care of Christians. You really believe that? Is that valuable to you? If it's valuable to you, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Go tell somebody about it. Go tell somebody about it. Say it again. Go tell someone about it so that these seats can get filled if it's valuable to you. I'll be straight honest with you. Nehemiah is doing something here where he realizes the population of Jerusalem is, the, the, excuse me, the health of Jerusalem is connected to the it being populated. Because it being populated is what is going to bring to fruition the purpose of this city, God's city. And we'll go all the way back to saying it's not about the city, it's about the people. Amen? It's not about this church, brick and mortar, walking through a door that we don't even own. Sitting in a ballroom that's not ours and won't be ours, will ever, won't ever be ours. And I pray to God we're not here in six months. But when we do get a building, it's not even going to be about that. It's going to be about the people. Amen? I'm trying to stir the pot just a little bit before I leave on this vacation. Are you guys with me this morning? Now, when we read verse 5... There's a lot of stuff in here. I, after explaining everything that I explained, which, I mean, honestly, that was like a 20-minute intro, and I'm sorry. I apologize. Hopefully, you're still awake. But we, we, we look at verse 5, and it says this, Then my God put it into my heart to assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people to be enrolled by genealogies. The first part of that verse. Then he found this book. See, what we what we don't see in here or have any kind of explanation in the word. I've searched for it. Maybe I haven't found it yet. If I do find it, I'll put it on Facebook. You guys can... I'm just kidding. Uh, you guys can check it out. But what we don't see in these verses is a statement saying, here's who currently lives in Jerusalem. We don't, because if you read from, from verses 8 all the way to 69, it's just name after number after name after number. This guy after this house, this son after that man. But we don't have any kind of snapshot of, is Nehemiah saying these people live in Jerusalem or they don't live in Jerusalem? 
a good question. But what we do know at this point is that the city was large, the city was spacious, and houses were not built, and nonetheless, this was God's city. I know for a fact that if this is God's city, and if those people are God's people, he's going to want God's people to live in God's city. So he jumps off into this book of genealogies, and we don't know if they live in Jerusalem or not. But what I do know is that he wants his people in his place. So we get a snapshot here just in these five, six, and seven of of Nehemiah's being compelled by the Lord to ask people to come home. People who have what? Jerusalem DNA. So uh, I'm going to say that about Eosis, right? (laughs) There's going to be some people that I'm going to get in front of that I'm just going to say, hey, you know what? You need to come home. You need to come back to the place where you met Jesus the first time. Place where he's asking you to throw roots down not just to pass through but to grow your family here why because you got es's dna in you that's not being selective that's not saying uh there's only a certain amount of people who are uh able to come to es's and would fit here that's not what i'm saying at all i will say this we want the unchurched and the unsaved we will welcome people from other churches hallelujah we will But it's like rearranging the seats on the Titanic. Everybody's going down. All right? We don't want to take people from other churches. But what I will say, ladies and gentlemen, is that people are going to start flooding these seats. I know that that's going to happen. But it's only going to happen, number one, by the Holy Spirit, and number two, By us talking to other people about the place that we see valuable. Not only on a Sunday morning. This is not just Sunday morning stuff. I'm talking about midweek, all that. We can make a list. Nehemiah sees it important to call people home. Because God wants his people in his city. Are you guys trucking with me this morning? There are 150,000 people in this city. And I don't know... I would say when the students come back, it's like 170. I mean, you can tell because it's hard to get from one place to the other. Usually it takes five minutes, but it takes 25 trains and swear words. And hey, don't act like you don't do it. I'm just playing. Maybe we can edit that from the podcast, please. Yeah, here I am asking people to come back, talking about, okay, well, let's just stop. I'm digging myself a hole here. Um, but are you guys are you guys with me this morning? So this list of people that Nehemiah has is about um, populating this city, uh, and what we can draw from this is that we don't want numbers for numbers' sake. I read something to you earlier that Nehemiah saw it important that the safety of the city, the prosperity of the city, was based on the number and valor of people in it. We talked about numbers, okay. Now let's talk about valor. What does that mean? It talks about quality. I touched on that just a little bit. We don't want people from other churches, although if other people from churches people from other churches come, we're not going to say no. But I guarantee the purpose in each one of our lives is three things. Evangelism. Go tell somebody about what Jesus did to you. 
discipleship. Here, let's walk this road together. And neighboring. (laughs) And we see that in the Ten Commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, all that business. Okay, it's good stuff. And then love your neighbor as yourself. What if he actually meant the person across the street? What if he actually meant the person in the cubicle next to you? What if he actually meant, uh, yeah, person at your job? We have missionaries that go overseas. That's good stuff. But sometimes our mission field is right in front of our face. If you believe what Eesus has is valuable, tell someone about it. Bring them here. Because the health of us is going to depend on people being in these seats. We can no longer start a worship service with zero people in the seats. Got one. I just, we, we just, what we have is too valuable. Amen? So, if you yourself want to read through verses, uh, read verses 8 through 69, that's fine with me. Have fun pronouncing all those names. But what's going on here is that Nehemiah is compelled to get a list going. Let me see who's here and who's not because if you're called by God to be here, then be here. And if you're here, you know what we do? We get into friendships and relationships. We get into each other's lives. We don't just sit and all face the same direction and listen to some weird guy make weird jokes and get himself dug into holes by saying stupid things. Alright? We're a family. We take care of each other. Read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 and you will get all of what we are purposed to do building up the body of Christ in love. Amen? Amen. So again, the first part of this verse 5, I can't get away from this. And this is what I'm going to close with cuz we have to take communion this morning. It says then my God put in my heart. You know, at this point Nehemiah could take the reins. He completed something did it with the Lord. At this point, you know what he could have said? All right, I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. How often do we get there? You get to a place where you've completed something and you kind of take a step back and you say, all right, now I can try to or I will build blah, blah, blah. He doesn't say that. Let's look at those first three words. Then my God. And let me ask you this question. Is he your God in everything? Because when he is, you take on his likeness, you take on his characteristics, and you also take on his concerns. And you know what his concerns are? He's more concerned about his people than he is about a building that his people live in or his people meet in. Does that make sense? Nehemiah says that, my God. How often do we say, my God? And I love this next part. Put in my heart. Now this cross reference isn't up there. But it's Psalms 37.4. And I'm actually going to turn to it. And it is one that I'm sure many of us have heard. 
says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. See, Nehemiah, I don't have time to go into it right now. Spent so much time with the Lord. Verses one, excuse me, chapters one through through six. Could go through all the the times where he fell on his face, the times where he beseeched the throne. He spent so much time with the Lord that here is a here is a a snapshot of this verse, Psalms thirty thirty seven four. That it was something that the Lord dropped into him because of his time spent. Now, for the longest time, I have misinterpreted Psalms thirty seven four. And it says, again, delight, in your, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Well, if I just am happy about my relationship with Christ and I just do all good Christian Christy type things, he'll just give me what I want. That is not what that says. <laughs> the Lord, when you delight yourself in him, he opens up your chest plate. He takes his desires and he places them in there. It is not a... I will finally get that house or I'll finally get that truck or I'll finally get that amount of money. He's saying, I'm going to place in you my concerns. I'm going to place in you my desires. And it's going to end up affecting you in a way that you would not have even been able to comprehend from the beginning. Amen? Well, this is what's happening. Then my God Put in my heart. The next part of this verse. To assemble the nobles, the officials, and the people. To be enrolled. Now this is obviously a God thing for this reason. The cross reference I did put in there was the same one that my dad used last week. And we're going to look at it again because it has smacked me in the face so hard. And that's what the word should do. Psalms 127, verses 1. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. See, unless the Lord put in Nehemiah, compelled him to make this list, his work would have been done in vain. Unless the Lord puts in us the way to get people in these seats, we're going to fall flat on our face doing it. I'm going to fall flat on my face as a leader doing that. Does that make sense? How does that relate to you? My dad posed a question Sunday night that I'm going to pose to you today. Now, I've said a lot today. But if you leave with anything, leave with this. Pose this question saying, would you be willing to ask the Lord to show you the things in your life that you have not let the Lord build? Okay. It's a good one. It's a tough one. Scary one. Because he might reveal some things to you that it's like, I really want that. <laughs> I spend so much time on that, Lord. Why? But that's not even the tough part of the question. The, the, the tougher part of the, it's more of a statement than it is a question. The second half of this is this. Are you willing to let him tear it down if it's not built on him? Are you willing to let him have that and completely remove it from your life? 
if it's not built on him. Because, ladies and gentlemen, we can be great identifiers of the problem. Man, I know what's up. I know what's wrong. I can sit down and tell you about it. That don't make you look good. First of all, you're not trying to look good. Second of all, what really, where the rubber meets the road, is if you're willing to let the Lord work on you in that. Unless the Lord builds the house, the work is done in vain. I want to populate Eosis. I want for there to be people in these seats, but I want to do it God's way. Amen? We can spend all kinds of money that we don't have on advertising, uh, social media, um, marketing. Here's a pamphlet flyer. Whoever, I say pamphlet, like whoever uses pamphlets anymore, but we got a bunch back on the table, so I, there I go again, put my foot in my mouth. But no flyer is going to bring somebody to Jesus. You are. What the Lord has done in you is going to do that. Now let me make sure I'm, I'm saying this right. The Jesus in you is going to bring people to Jesus. You're not going to bring people to Jesus. Amen. Let me make sure I'm right on that one. But we're not going to go after advertising, marketing, and all this stuff. I'm trying to appeal to you guys this morning that we see Nehemiah saying, you know what, people need to be inside this wall so that they can go out and affect the world. Because the purpose of Jerusalem is to receive the Messiah so the Messiah can take 12 dudes and change history. We have something going on here, ladies and gentlemen, that has been founded in Christ. I'm saying we need people here, not for the sake of people, but so that what's going on on the inside we can go out and affect the city with. That's that's me trying to stir the pot this morning. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm not going to see you for another four weeks. But I'm saying, look, we have to grow. We have to grow. Mm. So that challenge, ladies and gentlemen, it's a... Prepare for offering and get um, communion up here as well. And I'm asking the worship ladies to come back up here. That challenge, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that you you can see what's going on in these these scriptures. That it's about people. It's not about a wall. The wall's done. Nehemiah's concern is about the preservation, not only of the wall, but the people inside of it. And that happens by way of relationship. It happens by way of bringing people here. And as a pastor, I'm just going to challenge you this morning. If you, if you love your church, then tell someone about it. If you love your church, then bring someone here. Because what we do cannot function without God's people. It doesn't make sense. We can have a great website. We can have all this great stuff. But if there's no people, what's what's the point? Who are we affecting? Who are we going to reach? If we ain't reaching anybody, we need to close up shop and go home. So hopefully you don't hear me beating you down this morning. If you hear that, talk to me. Call me. Whatever. We can get through it. Counseling. All that business. But ladies and gentlemen, it's time to grow. Amen. Amen. So let's, let's, let's come forward with the... Uh, the offering. We got communion up here. Uh,
Heavenly Father, we uh, just want to bless this offering this morning. Lord, we understand and we know that you are all about relationship and you are all about your people affecting people. And your people being used as conduits, Lord, to bring the gospel. And that what you want us to do is be have evangelism in mind, have discipleship in mind, and have neighboring in mind, Lord. To go reach the lost. Lord, we thank you for that this morning. We pray for this offering, Lord, and ask that what gets put in here this morning would be uh, joyfully given, uh, not given grudgingly, as it says in, in Corinthians, Heavenly Father. But we give with a joyful heart, knowing that what we're giving to is something, Lord, that is sustainable, and it's Jesus. Lord, grow us. Grow us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and pass that. Now you want to populate. Now you want to bring people in. And Lord, we say yes to that. We say we'll do our part. And our part is simply just saying, hey, you know what? I love my church because Jesus is there. I love my church because the Holy Spirit is there. Not because of some program, not because of a great children's ministry or an awesome women's ministry, Lord. It's because of the people who are there. The people are genuine people. Lord, thank you for stirring the pot when it comes to this, Heavenly Father. We love you and we thank you. We just ask that as we go from this place, Lord, we would understand that your people are a concern to you. That should be the same concern that's in our heart. Reaching people who are lost and reaching the unchurched. So Lord, we love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You guys are free to go. Go ahead and say hello.